Hi, and welcome to the 141st edition of the Keen Minds podcast, where we cover NBC's The Blacklist. This is season nine, episode 13, Genuine Models, Inc., and season nine, episode 14, Eva Mason. We're doing a double episode this week. I'm Jen, a.k.a. Takata Cycle. And I am Tessa. And let's begin by uh, Genuine Models, Inc., you didn't like it much i i did not i've watched it twice now and i i found the the only thing i liked about it and this this sounds mean and i don't mean for it to but the only thing i liked about it was the fact that they brought cassandra back Mm. like that's it it's all i had because i i I love cassandra like she she is essentially madeline pratt Mm-hmm. She they was supposed to be yeah, Madeline Pratt. I was going to say they couldn't get Madeline back, uh, the actress, and so they created Cassandra. And so the fact that she's essentially Madeline Pratt, I really like her because I liked mm-hmm. Madeline Pratt very well. I I enjoy... Red uh, emotional it, affairs. Yes. And I, it, it goes into... I, I've said multiple times this season, that Mirsa, the the sister that has left, the mm-hmm. belief reader and mm-hmm. egg reader, Sorry. and yeah, she reads everything apparently. Um, that I just don't buy their relationship. I don't know what it is, but Anne immediately bought it. Cassandra mm-hmm. immediately bought it, and those are two women on very different ends of the spectrum. You yeah, have one Anne. is a thief, the one is is yeah. the one is his housewife. And so that that is not that is not the situation for me. It's not the believability of who would who would Raymond Reddington fall for because I think he has a very broad spectrum of of love. Mm-hmm. But I just don't buy this man mm-hmm. that is supposedly in love with Mirsa. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's because. Mirsa just hasn't been around a lot, so we don't know her. But we've got, I mean, we've had time with her, so I just don't know what it is. It's, Mm -hmm. I don't buy it, and therefore any any story plots with her, especially when she's not there. So she's just like Mm -hmm. by off in the corner, like, oh, Mirsa, I miss you, I love you, I'm gonna come back to you. It just, it rings hollow for me. Mm. I I could, I could, um, I could buy that. I mean, I like the episode. It's not a great episode, but I I do understand the absolute fascination that exists with artificial intelligence. I and understand the fact that it. One day we will get you know a robot to do things, and I, you know, I'll put it this, in. I'll put it this way: A friend asked me how the blacklist was going. I said the latest blacklister was a killer robot and he looked at me he goes say what and I said no 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 back that up a killer sex robot and he went what happened to this show well, <laughs> it's I, a killer sex robot was their blacklist and just the acting with the I'm in love with her and this I mean he was deranged the man yeah. either is deranged oh, yay yay but I mean think of I mean I would have been um had I not come across many years ago on a study or a program, I can't remember what it was, about this um, sex dolls 
I think it was mostly in Japan and how the men like buy them and they ended up having like relationships with this oh, robot, I, with, I this, don't, with this sex doll. Like the premise itself of what's reality and what's not, I think is a good premise. I am mm -hmm. currently writing a show <laughs> based mm -hmm. on that premise. I think mm -hmm. in today's day and age where we don't know what to trust, when deep fakes are coming out everywhere and nobody knows if they can believe their own eyes, it's a very big question that we're asking ourselves as a society and a very valid one. But, and I will say that with the exception of the expression, they have gotten robots to the point that they look very lifelike. Um, not mm -hmm. obviously not as lifelike as she was. That was a mm -hmm. human being that was acting mm -hmm. as a robot. But she but did I, a very good job because she had oh, like she was fantastic. Total, like, yeah. the, the woman that played the robot was utterly fantastic. I will give major props to that. But um, I watched a show with Robert Denny Jr. maybe about a year ago or so. Um, YouTube put it out about artificial intelligence. Very interesting. I'm blanking on the name about it, but if you Google Robert mm -hmm. Denny Jr. and artificial mm -hmm. intelligence, it, it was very fascinating. And some of the interviews that were being done were on AI robots. And I, I believe it was this particular uh, show that was talking about how while they've been growing and learning and they can do so much with them they just can't quite get the emotional expression down they can't mimic the i mean because they're not alive there's something there's something about the soul in people's eyes i mean it, it's difficult yeah. i mean if you believe in the soul of whatever you want to call it but there's something in the yeah. eyes that reflects a living creature and and you see it in humans mm -hmm. you also see it in animals though i mean my my cat you yeah you know he's alive um but but and you don't but see that if you in, abstract that but that that was the thing I mean, she was supposed to have it's i don't know some i, I emotions, think some mimic and and to be fair we never saw her actually show any emotion and so it could have been all in his mind well the, she had that that mind and we saw how how they yeah, I, um how aram could program her to mimic uh an ex, an expression yeah so that i mean i i, I get it it's a is it credible? Is it like the edge of science? No, that's a little beyond the edge of science. But all in all, I found the episode watchable and entertaining. I'm not going to say it was wonderful in terms of, of, of uh, mythology, but I found myself entertained. And it, it was, um, and I love the ending. I mean, it was silly and all that. I just liked it, you know, when they went down the mountain. It was great. <laughs> I love the part where they died a fiery death. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Tessa's was, saying. <laughs> I mean, and know, to be fair, was, I, and that, that's the was, problem is I had zero feeling at that. I, I didn't feel glad. I didn't feel sad. I, I had nothing for you. I was just like, oh, ah, the episode is close to being over. Lovely. Yeah. That was well, it. That's all I had I, for it. I, I I found myself entertained, and I found myself uh, thinking of a few very loose parallels with 
not with men falling in love with robots, but people falling in love with things they project on well, they, someone. They, and Aram said that, you know, I find, you know, yep. people falling in love with people who can return the feelings. And, well, and they I were clearly was, trying to draw the parallel with, uh, with Alina. With, and uh, Elodie. I don't think that there was about Alina, but it was something about Elodie. Um, um, Alina, Alina made the comment at yeah. one point. She said but, she emotes more than me. Not that that's hard. Yeah, but then also um, with wrestler falling in love with Liz, who at the time where she was, I don't think that she was capable of of having many emotions. She seemed very robotic in a way, like when she was when. Uh, you know, her emotions were all muted and wrong. And like she was trying too hard uh, because she knew that she should be feeling something, but she wasn't quite doing it. Mm -hmm. Like when uh, Jennifer died, you know, like it was like she was trying to be sad, but she couldn't quite get there. And I don't think it wasn't the actress um, capabilities. I think that she was really portraying. Oh, I agree. To reflect. And so I, I actually have something later in our, our podcast episode for the Eva Mason to tie into that. So help me remember to put a pin in that one. Okay. So, so there was, I mean, I found myself thinking, sure, there is something there about, um, about that, that kind of rung a bell. And I wonder with all this uh, honey traps and whether there was, um, there was something there that you know in a way is it's a bit robotic like they being trained to do that and they do it just there wasn't there's no emotion in it at all um and you know it's like a bit of like the alter ego that had those you know the 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 actors and all that was was an act so this is like a step forward so i found the episode enjoyable not taken too seriously it's like a tongue-in-cheek episode but i I found myself having a good time watching it, which is which is okay. Now Cassandra and Ray miss all the signals, and he had to actually get the guy from I don't know eating caribou uh, stew to finally said, "Oh boy, okay, I guess the wife is involved." And I thought that was the most fascinating part of the entire episode. Besides how great it was to see Cassandra and Red together again. Yeah, um, so one of the things that made me so frustrated with this, on top of killer sex robot, which is a bit much for me, but the mm -hmm. fact that as soon as I saw her, I knew exactly what they were doing. Like, I, w I was able to predict this episode way too easily, and that's just not on par for Blacklist. I mean, like, you're going to have a general thing where people that write crime go, oh, yes, these are the beats that you hit, but in general blacklist tends to be pretty good with their their switches you know and their their um their twists and turns that they have um i i will say that i liked the fact <laughs> i i like the attempt e for effort um because they're usually so good with their look over here look over here oh it's really this Mm -hmm. um and that's what they did with both of their a and b storylines so they did it mm -hmm. with with the uh the robots you know mm -hmm. you're, you're thinking oh this is you know 
I mean, well, you're supposed to be thinking <laughs> that it's an escort service doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and then with the wife, um, I'm blanking on her name, so Matilda. Um, Matilda. It was a little less obvious by at least a fraction, um, but I thought that was better. The way that they like the the way that they portrayed well, Matilda, I that was much more believable to me. A, a nine seasons in, we kind of caught up to how they do things. I agree to a to an extent on that. It's just as soon as I saw the woman, I'm like, great, killer sex robot. This is what's happening. Yeah. Um, but but I think that Matilda was much smoother in the Cooper's yeah. writing um i mean like you, you may have caught on to it but it's there's a difference in i know this is coming and i hate it and i know this is coming but this is satisfying and i enjoy it yeah and so i i have had moments with the blacklist that i know it's coming because as you just said nine seasons in what are you going to yeah. do about it you, you know how this team works mm -hmm. but i need to feel satisfied as the viewer of I, okay I th there's it, i found yeah. it good i mean because Matilda or overall? The the Matilda part. I liked yeah. it. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I did like Matilda. I did like that twist. Like I, I do have positive things to say about Matilda. I think that they did a better job with Matilda than they did with I think it was Chrissy, was what they were calling the, the robot. Um, I thought Matilda the Matilda storyline, while there were some gaping holes in why would they have done that? These people are seasoned seasoned criminals <laughs> you know what why are they having a conversation about stealing the rubies with the lady in the other room it was really dumb like they're, they're not that dumb um but because they thought she was a stupid housewife yeah but no even if she's a, even if she's a stupid housewife it really doesn't matter if she's in the other room she can walk in at any time like they're they're not dumb people like neither of them are stupid it was it was no. a bad moment okay. but but my point being if you ignore the plot holes on or, you know the, the character holes on that that whole b storyline of cassandra and matilda was much stronger yeah well one of the things that i found most most interesting here is the fact that what you have is a criminal operation in which you think the guy is the one being the criminal. But the, what happens is it's the wife who's the criminal and the guy is just the front while the wife is running things behind. And, and that gets to me for one thing that I've always suspected and I have absolutely nothing to, to say ex for that to offer us proof except for one comment of Garvey he said he told jennifer there is an explanation for me you know basically being a criminal in the drug business and i always thought hmm i wonder if that reason is naomi highland and she was the the real brains in the drug business and garvey was just the front and because he had the connections but he wasn't really the boss and and part of the reason is that this show doesn't really do very um, adventurous casting. Um, Peter Stormeyer has always been the bad guy. He's always the Russian bad, even though he's not Russian, and I'm sure he's not bad. And um, he does play a lot of Russians. Like I, I think he's American, isn't he? 
I know. I think he's Austrian or or no, is wait he? a minute, okay. Swedish, something. But like he's that. not Russian, and no, but you're he's right, not Russian he at all. But he always plays Russian. Plays Russian. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know it because like maybe he can do like a a good accent. I don't know, but anyway, typecasting, um, I guess. But Mary Louise Parker had just finished doing Weeds when she was cast for the Blacklist. So just this thing tumbling in my head for a long time that they may do something there. So this episode had that level of interest. And the other thing I found fascinating about the whole conversation between Red and Cassandra is how Red, however you like or may not believe the relationship, Red seems to be clinging to her like a like a, a drowning man to a dra to a raft. I agree with that. I, I fully agree with that, that he is utterly desperate. And I, the, the desperation, I don't necessarily find the question. It's her, it, 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 I honestly, I'm having a lot of trouble. There is like a lot of chemistry. It, it may be a, a problem that the actors don't have chemistry. And, and maybe they, that's why they sent her away, but it didn't help. <laughs> well, I, I don't think that that's the reason that she had to be away in order to get Red to be able to focus on this. And also because it's, it's bringing a lot of very interesting questions. Um, once Red went into the mode of who killed Elizabeth, he stopped being the man that Mirsa could love. And even Weecha has been saying, are you sure that man is still there? And- Which is interesting was, because he told somebody along Cooper. the way that- Cooper, how, how- That there was the, nothing left. Like there was nothing left. That was that was uh, um, Cassandra. And I have the, the lines okay. here because it is, you should know that the man you once knew died the day Elizabeth Keene was shot. And the man that remains is less a, a person than a collection of impulses and inclination, most of them foul as tar. Yeah. So that's it. this this is a very interesting point that choose they chose to do this. Because if you remember in season two. In season one, at the end of season one, Rhett told Liz, your father died in that fire. And if he was he didn't say Raymond Reddington died in that fire. He said your father. So the role of father may have been what died in the fire. And now he's saying, now that man is dead. Uh, the man that I was is now completely dead. And all that remains is this thing going for maybe for for Agnes, but who he was is gone. So I'm I'm finding myself pondering: Is this a way to start us back on the trail? Red is Raymond Reddington, because he he's just been dying piece by piece. That is a very and interesting I question. That, that it, and I I think it's and I, I found. I'm sorry, I was just gonna say, I think it's a solid, solid question to ask because we've talked about for a long time now that he uses evasive speech, that he just lets the person he's talking to make their assumptions. 
he'll state something. It can be taken two ways. He knows how the person's going to perceive it. It may not be the only way to perceive it, but he just lets them assume. Mm-hmm. And so it was more, con- no, convenience not the right word. Um, it worked better for him. Um, not, not in a convenient sense, because I, I do think it was, he believed it was to protect her. Uh, but it, it fit better in the plan mm-hmm. for Liz to believe that her father was dead. It, you can argue it's cruel because she thinks she killed him, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, and, and he may be, but if Raymond Reddington is Raymond Reddington, which I think both you and I think he still mm-hmm. is, then Red thinks for some reason it was safer for Liz to know. And if that's the case and the letter said who he was and she found out this is her dad, then he only wanted her to know after he was gone. He also, back in season two, I believe it was, had a letter that he was providing to Dimbe. And he said, you know, I want to I want to get this to her after I'm gone and ended up burning it. Yeah, that was in case that it was he was not giving it to Dembe. He had put it in storage with the caretaker. Yeah. And the caretaker was compromised or he wanted the letter. And instead of putting it away or finding another place, he burned it because he said he didn't know if he wanted her to know now at that point. Yeah. Uh, Sounds right. Um and, and, and I got to give a shout Now that you said that, I have to give a, a shout out to uh, Chad. Uh, he's in Twitter. He's in Reddit as the Donald one. And he had a very, very interesting post. Uh, it's a three-parter. That this is in, in the second part in which he he's explored something that I have never seen connected. And it, it made sense. If Red is Raymond Reddington and thus Liz's father, he may have been trying to avoid by not telling her. It wasn't so much as the danger. It was dangerous for her. We kept thinking, oh, it's dangerous for her because of people coming for her. But I think Red was worried about the tendencies that were latent in Liz, or he hoped they were latent. They weren't. But And by knowing that he was her father, it will give her permission to just be, to go into the dark path. That's a really good point. It, it's that nature versus nurture. That is an excellent point. Well done, Chad. I, yeah. I don't know you, sir, but well done. <laughs> I like that. Wow. That's, that's a really good possibility. Other and it would that, fit. How I, Yes, with the nature versus net. And he made a very good point about what Red says when he is uh, being uh, interrogated by Kirk. And Kirk asks, you know, are you her father? And which just means, is that biology? Are you a father by biology? And what Red answers is Samuel Milhorn raised her. So he goes for nurture. 
And then he says, are you her father? He's like, it doesn't matter. She lived at your house. So, and technically she was your daughter too. Uh, again, again, going for nurture uh, for four years, even though it was on and off. And finally asked, you know, then he says, okay, Elizabeth, my daughter. But he's trying always to, like he's terrified that Liz will see that in as the way to allow herself to go into the dark side. And you see how in season five, they have this conversation at the pool when he says, why don't you let me do it? That stuff with Grace and Blaze. And she said, because it felt right. And it felt right because I'm your daughter, even though it, it, I know it's not right, but it felt right because I'm your daughter and I'm scared of, of you, of being like you. And I think that that was a very, very, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm truly impressed with that because I hadn't seen anybody even make that connection. So that is, to me, just extremely good. So yeah. the fact that they're now bringing, you know, I'm dead, it, it seems like there is just slowing walking to, there is many ways that somebody can be dead. And, you know, you die as a father because you can't be the father anymore. That's one way of dying. And then when, when this died, then he died. Absolutely. Especially in, especially in a world of spycraft where they're creating and killing identities all the time. And so Red was a spy. I mean, you have so many spies on this show, but Red was a spy, Katarina was a spy. You know, and so they're working in this world of spycraft and multiple identities. And so they were they were creating and killing them off again and again and again. And so what happens? if you kill is that a part of you dying it's it's i could see someone living in that sort of mindset of even if you live uh th there's an excellent show on I, I still haven't finished i need to go back and finish it it's called the americans it was on fx mm -hmm. for years and yeah. they had especially the the dad um he had actually got married to another woman. He was married to his wife, mm -hmm. who was the other Russian spy. They had two children, but he got married to another woman because he was running a long game on her that led that way. And so he mm -hmm. had this entire identity. He had legitimately another family because it was an identity. Okay, well, which one's the real one? At some point, yeah. you've got to kill one, but is that if you've lived under that in deep, deep cover, that is a death of sorts that it's gotta be. And so how many of these people has Red killed? I, I can completely see that being a mindset of someone that's worked in deep cover like that, of being able to separate, okay, I can tell you this because it's true. They did die. Like I am physically still here. I was that person. I am no longer that person. Ergo, that person is dead. It's, it's, absolutely fascinating and hats off to chat my goodness yeah that that was that was really really uh well done um so i mean that episode really was was setting up a lot of things but i think we should probably talk about the whole tracker and and cooper 
um, separate when we go into into the next. Do you have anything else on this one? Um, th there was a bit on Cooper. Uh, Cooper's was focused primarily in the Gen uh, Genuine Models Inc. episode. Mm -hmm. And um, I still don't trust his friend. I still think the friend is super sketchy. He's just got mm -hmm. way too many answers at all the needed moments. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't chalk it up to just easy writing. Um, I, I think he's sketchy. <laughs> I distrust I, him greatly. I agree. I think yeah. he is um it's, i've got a note in here it's it's really not like a huge thing i just noticed it both on my watch and my rewatch i was like what um but the waitress when she's talking about her friend that that had died the waiter that spiked mm -hmm. um cooper's drink and i don't necessarily think him spiking cooper's drink 100 makes him a bad person he could have been you know bullied into it in some sort and i think he was mm -hmm. but she goes uh she, she refers to him as a good guy but then he dealt drugs on the side and i'm just going what <laughs> it was just a really what? bizarre statement uh, i mean it's not oh, like man. he was it's not like he was handing out like joints or something i mean if you're dealing drugs that's gonna be a there but was a in the mindset of the in the mindset of the woman it wasn't yeah apparently clearly clearly uh I'm, that's what i'm saying i'm not saying it's necessarily poor writing it was just one of those moments i was like sweetheart <laughs> well, let me bring you it, down to reality isn't that the same as we say well you know red is not so bad yeah well he's killed a lot of people that generally qualifies for being pretty bad that's fair that's fair yeah. but as far as we know the waitress was not part of this heightened reality the rest of them are playing in but like I, i'm not saying that sense it just was one of those things i was like really <laughs> i just it caught me both times and just needed to make a note of it um i i still think that there are links to the cabal um the fact that there are it's it's someone in i believe they the end result was they believe they're uh, nypd is that accurate yeah. NYPD. But but I don't know that, that that is not a fake badge or something. It could. Like that. It could totally be I mean, a red herring that's been yeah, and that could, that's been inserted into that. I don't but I I do believe it's probably like I could completely believe it's someone in law enforcement, but the cabal has people all over law enforcement. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's a it's a very complicated storyline because we are led to believe a lot of things that may not be as as clear as they seem. So um, let's go into the next episode. Yeah, Eva Mason. Um, so I actually I I was kind of where you're at with the second watch through Genuine Models. Like, oh, this was entertaining. That's how it was my first watch through Eva Mason. And then, um, oh really? So my, my first watch through mm -hmm. Eva Mason, I was like, okay, this is entertaining. I liked it. It was good. Um, and I, I remembered that there were pieces of it. I, I'm very bad with watching because as it stands today, I cannot pause my shows. I cannot back them up while I'm watching them live. I I'll, what I get is what I get, and so. A lot of times I miss key pieces. Uh, and 
And so I rewatched uh, most of it today before recording this. And I found so many tidbits in there. Of it was par- impactful. Parallels and possible parallels. Things that I have a new, I have a couple new theories. Um, yeah, well, now we have, we have, we can discard a few of the theories we had before. But before we go there, can we please talk about the performance of um, Drayden, uh Lovejoy, and Spader in those scenes, in, in all the scenes they had together? They, Both at the beginning, and then when he when he's talking about when you're being when they heard somebody you love, that line just disappears, and you can't find answers in the light. You go looking for them in the dark. So, yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yes, they were on their A game. I have a new theory. Okay. Um, it's not it's not a like i am this is the hill i will die on kind of theory it's just i i have an inkling after this episode (laughs) what if cynthia had something to do with liz's death she had it just the first thing that sparks that is just the parallel there of how far will you go and the fact they had that conversation Granted, it could have just been that Cynthia's going through this and they wanted to do the parallel and there was nothing more than just the surface level surface level parallel. That's a possibility. But this is the blacklist and they usually have multifaceted mm-hmm. parallels. And so what if like, Cynthia has not been super present in all of this. She was very reluctant to come back around. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two different, it's, it's a forked theory, um, a split theory. Mm-hmm. The first is Cynthia was the one that put the burn notice out on her. No, she delivered the news okay. that it was. Okay. Which in fact, she didn't need to do. And the only reason to do it could, was, could have been possibly to make sure that they had time to save her. To hide her, to fake her death, to do something like that, because otherwise but, she had no need to say that. Okay, but but she she let them know regardless. Yes, she, she was did. involved. She was involved letting them know. Um. She, you know, w- one theory, one possibility is that she just killed her. She's the reason. You know, she, she's the one that that put the hit out. Another possible thought is that she is involved that she essentially went to Liz and said, I don't want you anywhere near this. They want to kill you. You need to go. You've done a lot of good for this country. I will help get you out of here. But in return, you need to go. Take your child and leave. And she helped orchestrate it. Yeah, it could be. Um, Like I said, not the hill I'm willing to die on yet, but Mm -hmm. it's a possibility. Yeah, well, this this episode had so many parallels it's one of those as i was watching it um the first time when it aired i was you know when you watch an episode and you know this is very important this is a very important episode you know because it has so many parallels that it just like it, i mean the girl 
um, the girl shooting uh, the woman when the woman is actually trying to protect her. And she, the, well, the woman's trying to protect her, but she sees her as a threat against her mother. Yeah. Then yeah. the mother who's trying, who's who seems to be helping the daughter, but is in reality they're hurting the children. Um, and this goes. Oh, it reminded me a little bit of the um, of the uh, what is this called? The Good Samaritan Killer. That they were inflicting exactly the same the same pain and injuries that they had done on their children or spouses mm -hmm. they were inflicting exactly the same so this is this is the same they were giving them the same the same diseases and, and it seemed that there is there is an element here of that we should be looking at especially as we go into the whole thing of Liz with the with that tracker that had ability to do medical stuff and and you start thinking could it be that Kate was actually hurting Liz or that someone was hurting Liz? I mean, Liz seemed to have had a lot of issues from the very beginning. I mean, could there have been just a shooting? Possibly. Earlier, earlier, I told you to help me put a pin in the uh, mm -hmm. Liz's robotic emotions. Yeah. And this is why. Um, exactly what you just brought up with the the tracker and the fact that it is actually more than a tracker yeah. it is it designed yeah. yeah it's designed to release medication and so that's the design of it red said that he saw the toxicology report and the toxicology report said there was nothing in her system that's, so we have run out um, I was going to say that that's one of two things that could be that she's no longer, you know, that, that it already dispersed and gotten out of her system mm -hmm. or the, the toxicology report was, was, uh, edited. Or whoever they did the toxicology report on is not Liz. Yeah. It's, it's edited in some form or fashion. Yeah. Um, but I found it very interesting. Well, I went well, back. Wait, 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 before you, you leave that. Because remember that we have a very bizarre thing happening to Liz in at the at the beginning of Conex. She goes into the bunker and she's still a crazy woman, screaming that there is more, that she wants more, she wants to know where her mother is, she wants to know his identity. It's just totally out there. She goes into the bunker, Townsend is is cooked. She gets out of the bunker and says, what? Of course, I, I walk. I could fly. Townsend is dead, and she's like all this happy Liz again. And he's like, "What happened there?" And it always felt to me like there was. This is bizarre. It's almost like she's being like reset. Well, we've she talked about the stomach. That's the hmm, point. Um, so we've talked about how utterly bizarre it was the they introduced ghost kate and then nothing came of it that she saw kate she was hallucinating kate and then that was it there were no more hallucinations that we saw there was uh, there was obviously very bizarre 
reactions to things, very bizarre happenings. But when you listen to the story that the uh, the scientist talks about, he says it was developed by a man who's Andrew uh, Andrew Kennison, whose wife was a uh, had a psych excuse me, a psychiatric condition that was, and she was never consistent with her meds. She had a violent episode that cost lives. So psychiatric condition. Liz has always had various issues, but the fact that she saw Kate was new levels. Um, that, that was a split. Plus, and then, huh? Plus, don't forget that you were the one who spotted that Liz was doing those weird side-to-side -side movements yeah. in the eyes, which yeah. is a condition that comes, it's called nystagmus or something like that, and it comes from brain injury or mental mm -hmm. disease or things like that. So I just wanted to put that in there. And yeah. So she, she had, I mean, heaven knows the girl had enough brain damage <laughs> the mm -hmm. course of this show. that if, <laughs> if she hadn't had some sort of brain damage to it, then... That would have been a miracle. Um, but the violent episode that caused lives. You and I talked about it. Many Liz fans talked about it. How bizarre she acted in season eight. You can say that they found out Megan was leaving. They got pissed and destroyed her character. You could say that. Maybe it's true. I don't know no clue was not a fly on the wall for those discussions or any discussions at all you could say that they were aiming in a certain direction again no insider information i don't know but no, was she was it have been. she was acting in ways more extreme than she and sometimes things build yeah there but, were body emotions the but the the routes that she went after and, and and the way she would pull back there was that moment in there that led her back to agnes that that emotional touchstone with the washer mm -hmm. in which she was ready to burn the worlds and but she went back for her daughter because she thought about her husband and it's it's like she's working in these manic moments during season eight mm -hmm. in which sometimes she's cognizant of things and sometimes she's not, which makes me think about someone who's not I'll, regular I'll on their medication. Yes. Or somebody whose medication, who she keeps getting medication dispensed every few hours. And as she getting to the end of that, of the previous one, she's starting to come off it and then she's starting to be a little more normal. The medication comes in and she starts, because if it's yeah, a hallucination, it could be either drug, way. It takes very little. It could take very little for it to, I mean, it could have been, and I have a, I have a, a I worked my behind off and looking, I, I rewatched the entire eight seasons, uh, the season eight. And uh, AB starting in in after Misere, and I am now ready to say you know that I've always said Liz was hallucinating in Nakao. I am ready now to say that I believe Liz was hallucinating 
that nothing happened that was real. From the moment she goes back after Anne and Misere converge and she basically disappears from Anne's house after Anne has hid her head and is laying there dying. She goes to Townsend and he's had the people with the bags and the, he's asphyxiating them and puts a bag over Liz's head. And I think if you look at the way Liz is dressed in that moment, in that episode, and you look at the way Liz is dressed in when it rolls in the protein in 818, it's the same dress. It's the same costume she's wearing. I don't think that any of what happened was real. I don't even think that Liz getting lifted out of the out of the uh, the post office is real. I think that Cooper delivered her to Red, and I believe that the only thing that is real there was no Ivan, who suddenly went from being a threatening man to this whatever he was crying over. Oh, I put a target on your back, and you're so beautiful, and I. So all of that is in this head. Well, the the only pause I would put on that is points of view. Because we see, if we'd only seen these people from Liz's point of view, we'd totally be on board with that. But we saw Ivan and Fred sitting with just the two of them without yes. Liz. No, 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 no. I do believe that Ivan is real. Okay. I just don't believe that his name is Ivan Stepanov. Because Step Ivan Stepanov is a historical figure and he actually looks like this Ivan. What I think happened is Liz saw a photo of him in a blonde cat storage unit and he somehow got into her into her psyche. Because if you think about it, how many I mean, these are these are really good writers. They don't get to write for a major TV show with without having some pretty good credentials. You have to be able to write decently to get there. So look at what happened in, in the Russian knot. Um, they decode ads with a machine that they don't have because the machine stayed at Reds in the restaurant. With those ads that they could not have decoded, they get to a meeting in Paris and all this is all, all ads that were in a, in a folder from when they were paper ads. I don't even know that there is classified anymore in the papers. They don't happen. Um, then with those ads, they go to that, that cafe in Paris. We know that they don't use a Russian knot to communicate because we have seen him talking on the phone. You know, we know that they don't meet in Paris. They met in Moscow. And now they, they have the name and Cooper authorizes through Liz to render a Russian citizen from Russia. I mean, it doesn't get crazier than that. And at, at every point we have Alina saying, but this doesn't make any sense. You know, like Alina is, is the voice of reason still functioning in Liz's mind saying, this doesn't make sense. Or when they're going after, after uh, Priya and Alina is saying, why are we doing this? Well, because we're, we're working with Reddington. Yeah, but if Reddington is working with us, he'll tell us what Townsend is so we can go in and get Liz. Well, no, because um, he won't. But uh, then, okay, why not Liz tell us since we're working with her? 
Oh, no, that she won't tell us. And he's like, and Alina, he's like, this doesn't make any sense. So do you think, I just want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Do yeah. you believe that essentially everything that happened from that point, like none of it actually happened and all the scenes that Liz is not involved in, she's, it's no. like a viewer watching a movie. Like, Yes. Red, Red literally did not sit down with these people. Cooper literally did not sit down with these people. The, the, the scenes that Liz was not involved with did not happen. But in her mind's eye, it's filling in these, these yes. blanks like, to make the story like make a sense dream. for her. Yeah. It's like a dream. And, and but, usually, but usually in a dream, usually you are present for the scenes. You may just know things are happening. You may have but known. That's not a hallucination dream. But think about it. At the end of, of Liz gets a, a bag over her head and dressing exactly the same way in 817, she is put in the back of a van. When she gets out of there, she hears Townsend that says, you know, you have to be present for the next bar because I'm going to kill you while Red watches. And she seems to hear this. And we tend to think, and I think that was real, because Townsend did learn something that told him that Liz is Red's daughter. Does he say that? But it's Liz who puts Ivan in there when Ivan is, he exists and he has met with Red, but he's not involved in this because he hasn't been abducted. I mean, can you imagine a member of special forces that two goons, pretty stupid looking too, come behind him with a bunch of chloroform that he's not smelling and just take him from his apartment where he listened to opera with headphones at full volume. Those guys have tripwires and dogs and are never, I mean, the first thing they teach you anywhere is to be aware of your surroundings. That, that storyline doesn't make sense. So I think Liz escapes. She goes to to meet Essie and Jack and, uh, and, and Skip. I don't think Jack's existed and I don't think Rocco existed. I think Liz is who kills Essie and Skip. And there is a very weird scene where she stops, she's going out to talk with Cooper on the, on the, on the roof, right? And she turns around and says, Skip, thank you. And he says, well, it's just soup. No, 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 really, thank you. It was so weird because she thinks Skip but not Essie. And then when you see them, they are dead. But when you go to the morgue shot, it's only Essie and, and, and Skip. There is no Jax. So I think all of that was in his head. And I have no idea who the pretend is, but I'm not even sure that he was hired by Townsend or by Red to find her or bring her. I think at the end, um, he gets killed, whoever he is. He may have been a passerby for all we know when this was hallucinating all this stuff uh, with a bingo and all that, uh, entertaining as it was. And she's then taken prisoner. They, they, she's taken into custody by wrestler travels with her. Then that happens. They get, us, they get um, attacked. Wrestler gets shot. That from there on, everything happens as it is. Except, I think, that when she surrenders to Cooper, Cooper doesn't take her to the post office when she's extracted by helicopters from, by Red, but he just delivers her to Red. 
And then she gets in there. Red tells her, lets her hear that plan with a tracker for, for Godwin, for Godwin Page. So that then locks her in the next stall so that she has the opportunity to extract the, the tracker and uses this betrayal to make a lure for Townsend that is credible. And then go to a bunker. I'm not even sure that that's in Latvia because I don't trust anything that happens after Liz wakes up in that plane. Um, and just basically cooks him. And then something happens when she's shot. I think that may have dislodged that thing. And she and she gets out of that bunker like nothing happened. And then she's recuperating and she's like, oh, Mrs. French. Oh, Red, thank you. It's like nothing had happened, like it was a bad dream. Maybe. That's the longest pause you've ever had. My <laughs> crazy areas. I just like there's so much to unpack there, but there's so much to unpack in general for the whole Liz goes crazy thing. And I I mean, she starts hallucinating with, and it, I, it got to be Mrs. French. She starts hallucinating. First, that story of Mrs. French, that was so stinky. Neither of us have ever trusted Mrs. French. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, she was so shady. I mean, that woman was, I mean, I mean and, and Liz was like, she trusts anybody with that kid. She's really what this woman is. She really would. I'm just like, oh my gosh. You know, I, I've had thoughts of, and, and there's been jokes about maybe she just never woke up from her her um, coma. coma. Mm -hmm. Which would be, I, the problem I have, I, I, I think what, what you're saying and the problem I have with the she never woke up from the coma, the problem I have with those scenarios are the same. It is, and it's not necessarily from a twist point of view. It's from, you have to be able to trust the writing. And if you have a, that that becomes a situation where it's not a twist, it's a not a misdirect. Yeah, I mean, like you didn't just. I, but, it, but it's a TV trope, it's a known TV trope. It was all a dream. Yeah, but that's hmm. hey, let's I, jump. Let's jump the shark territory, and I'm not going to say they haven't done it already. I, but I think it's brilliant. I, I don't know. I be brilliant because I don't know how I feel about it. Like honestly, for like for fan fiction, one hundred percent on board. I've got a story that's been battering around for ages now. Of Liz has just been in a coma the whole time, um, but that's fan fiction. That's an entirely different scenario. Because fan fiction is written for your, you know, for fans' gratification. Mm -hmm. um, you know, th th this, but, your audience has to be able to trust the writing. But they, but they have given you indications. I mean, when you're getting a, a plot that makes no sense, like, in, and it starts from, from Red and, and Ivan communicating with a rusty Cold War era the coding machine, when you, we have seen them talking on the phone, you know something is wrong. But then that, that begs the question if she's, 
we've seen them talking on the phone but if this is all some sort of hallucination of hers have no, we seen them that's before that's before oh okay no 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 i, I have not done a rewatch of season eight no, no, no. Well, remember I... that we we met we met ivan when they they he goes to moscow and he threatens Liz. he says yeah he's she's off limit for now i mean i'm willing to cut the kid a little slack but it, it only goes to so far i'm not going to you know, this is only a little bit of, of slack, not not the entire thing. We've seen them talking on the phone about Rakitin. And then suddenly in we want us to believe that they communicate with the Russian not. I mean, give me a break. That should be enough for anybody to say, this ain't right. Okay. This is something, this is something weird. And then we see her hallucinating with Kate, which kind of like merges into Townsend, because as she hallucinates with, with Kate, Townsend kind of freezes. I don't think he freezes. I think that in her mind, everything, the time stops. Yeah. So she's beginning having all these crazy ideas. And I think it just goes right into Red, uses her betrayal to cook Townsend. And, I, but then. I don't think, I think if someone is manipulating her, if this is all some sort of, and, and I, I do think there's a possibility that even if it's not all big, some psychological break, I do think there's a possibility that someone was using that medication in order to send her deeper into crazy land. It's like someone that's already balanced well on that line. It doesn't take hard to give them a shove over it. Um, well, if they give you hallucinogenic drugs, you're yeah, going to be seeing stuff. And, and so, uh, but, but I keep going back to the story about how the, the tech got created and the, the woman had a violent episode that cost lives. And all I can think about is the bomb in the hospital and the planes that she set to collide and how everyone went, holy crap, Liz, like what is happening? And I, that when, when that statement was said, combined with the psychological condition and thinking about seeing Kate mm -hmm. and all of that. So I honestly think it would need to be prior to as sketchy and i hate to say this because i would love for it to be sketchy mrs french but i think it actually has to be prior to that because the planes and no the, the planes is after the planes is after she met mrs french the but what, what was the bomb is no the bomb the bomb, the the bomb, bomb. yes i think that there's two things I, I mean she's she's she did the crazy bomb but that's one level of crazy Okay. I think they're, I don't know. I think they're both fairly. No, but crazy. one thing is, but if you think about that bomb, not the way she did it at the hospital, the original plan, she had a bomb, enough, enough Semtex that destroy a hotel, a, a hospital room. And she put it on one, the handle of the car when she was at the other side of the car. That was a suicide. That was murder suicide. She intended to kill everybody there. So I think that there is there is two levels of crazy going on. There is Liz having mental issues, a product of her numerous concussions and asphyxiation. So she's being hypoxic when she was in the in the box, when she was uh, um, asphyxiated by one of the Garby guys, by Navarro. Um, I, one more time, I can't even remember by whom. So there is a lot of of that had happened, she's being knocked on the head, she was in a coma. That, that's one level. 
and she had the, the side to side eye movements and she had begun to misremember things like she misremember what Red said. She misremember um, what she told. Um, it, it's a bunch of little things that she got wrong over time. And it, it just began increasing. And that, that is consistent with traumatic brain injury. But then there is, on top of that, I think that once she sees Mrs. French and she starts having the hallucination with Kate, I think that is because she had some hallucinogenic drug with that tracker. And I think probably the tracker activated once she stopped having the hallucinations. And that's when she was tracked. I don't know that because that creates a connection between whoever gave her that, which I suspect is Mrs. C, Mrs. French, and um, whoever told Van Dyke. I don't know how that works. Because now we have the Andrew Kennison connection. Because Andrew Kennison is a guy who created yeah. that drug. And yeah. that's the, the same guy that uh, Cooper's blackmailer wanted gone. By the way, they showed us a photo of mm -hmm. Andrew Kennison. And I think it's Seth, Seth Gable. And I'm very, very excited for that. Oh, Seth Gable. Oh. Um, he's from Fringe. Oh. You always hear me sing Fringe's praises. Okay. I'm very excited. He's, he's yeah, fantastic. He was, he was briefly because he was, and I don't think that this person who, Cooper's blackmailer doesn't seem intent on, on harming Kennison, just in getting him out of her way. I don't know if he intends to frame uh, Cooper further with that, or is he generally trying to protect Kennison? But it, I mean, everything is just starting to, like everything, I had a lot of theories that Liz had ingested it herself, but I think that that doesn't, doesn't go anymore. I think that there is definitely an element of somebody giving her hallucinogenic drugs. Yeah, I, I think that's probably closer to it. Um, I did rewatch Monsieur uh, today as well as I was rewatching this because I felt that there is something here. And I gotta say, I didn't notice it so much at the time, but Liz was having really weird, like when you see things from her point of view, there is weird things happening, like things are slowing down and accelerating. And mm -hmm. she seems to be like mixing Townsend and Kate. Um, it's very weird, very well made. Yeah, very jarring and disorienting. Yeah, yeah. very she, much so. Like, I don't think too many people question if she was losing her freaking mind there. Yeah, well, generally when you set two planes to collide and count on, on and I'm figuring it out without giving him any hints, that's pretty much crazy. And the whole of, um, even if you see Townsend, at the beginning, when we see Townsend before AB starts, he seems normal, you know, peculiar, eccentric, but normal. In the second part, he's almost clownish. He's almost like becoming this cartoon character. So the more I think about it, the more I'm, 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 I'm seeing it, that most of season AB is in Liz's head. And boy, that would be a shocker. I think it would depend on how it was, how it unfolded. 
how I would feel about it. But the idea. That's you what I'm a, saying. You have a phase that I can't even process that yet. <laughs> it's That's I, what Jen, I, let me translate Jen's face. <laughs> I cannot even process that. I'm very tired. <laughs> I think you just broke my brain a little. <laughs> yeah. Tessa just sprung something on me I wasn't ready for. Yeah, I was not emotionally prepared for that one. Um, so the, the only thing I have left in my notes is just a side note of I love Herbie. Yes. Oh, that was such a pretty scene. And I I definitely rolled my eyes pretty hard on the way they leaned into the red arena thing with with the way Why? I, I just it felt very maternal the way that he approached the child um i felt like they were leaning into it but it just especially like when he came around behind him it was, just, it was a weird scene there but all in all i love herbie i love seeing I, i'm not sure where his wife was all we know is in, that a, she was, in a digital detox yeah um, um for yeah like but like i don't know but okay I don't know. To, to me it felt very um i don't know i i because it was, we already had a scene of Red like that with a colicky baby and... and yeah, well, I, I don't necessarily have anything, like, obviously he's been around, at least Liz is a small child, um, and I think probably Jennifer as well. Um, and so, like, I, I have no problem with that. It just, there was something about the way he came back and held on to Herbie from behind and supported mm -hmm. him and like it was just really weird to me but that that may have just been me regardless i thought overall i love herbie i hope we see him back and well, he seemed to have a very um very comfortable very paternal relationship with herbie yeah yeah it felt like a like you know when he says oh he's not answering my call he's like hey, that's not happening it's yeah. just, you know, something is happening. He just goes over. I was just uh, very confused on why Weecha knew about him. Like, I feel like Weecha knows a lot about Red's business for the understanding that we have that Red wasn't doing his, wasn't handling his business while with Yeah, but sisters. it's been, what, like three months I, from now. Yeah, now, I, I suppose more, that's possible. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's six months and she seems very bright. Yeah, I, it may be that we've just, we haven't seen Herbie, but she has. Maybe that's what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, it, there is so much happening in this episode with, um, and the one thing that is interesting to me is that we're back into the bad moms. You know, you remember how we used to talk about when we started the podcast about how the stories were, the fathers were mostly good fathers and there were a lot of stories of father avenging most of the stories of the mothers seem to be bad mothers we had the good samaritan mother we had uh we there was a, a bunch of them I, I, lady ambrosia um and now we have this one which is a real syndrome and the mothers hurt yeah. the children in order to i guess create this this role for themselves and I started thinking that I have a feeling that Liz had some something of the sort of being hurt by an adult that was um, that was supposed to care for her. And I wonder if it was Kaplan, because Kaplan, I mean, 
it, we, we've always said how bizarre it was. A nanny obsessed with cadavers in Katerina took her in. I would have killed her and put her under the tulips just to be on the safe side that she knew where I was. So she had to be dealt with. That was weird. Yeah. And, and then that lullaby. And we have talked about how that triggering thing when she said you're wise, you're loved. It always felt like less of an affirmation and more of a trigger. And I wonder if she triggered Liz when she was in her house and it just took a little time. It's just something going on. Ever since Liz had went for, for, for um, Krylov the second time, something I think was implanted there to make her go and try to kill Red. And I think it was supposed to happen because she was supposed to identify those bones as her mother's. Do, and then do that would have trigger. Do you mean Krilov's uh, protege? I'm blanking on his name. No, no, no. no also an actor from Fringe. Also an actor from Fringe. No, Krilov was, um, no, the second time when she took her in 2015, which oh, I, oh, I've okay, always okay. said yeah. it happened. I, it was covered by her being beaten up. I, I was thinking the second time we saw Krylov, but okay, no, I understand. Yeah, I mean, it could have been Skovic, Katerina, we could have been Blockcat and Skovic. I, I think she was unconscious and woke up chained to a, to a pile. Yeah, who knows what happened? I, I mean, we have no idea because this poor woman has been beaten up, asphyxiated, uh, choked. Wait, and to a degree, that's just the plight of a heroine in an action show. Yes. I mean, like, if it, it really doesn't matter if it's heroin or hero, you know, it's, it's the plight of the main character of an action show. Okay, Red's been have, tortured a few times. I have a question for you. Hmm. Um, since uh, New Amsterdam is being canceled, do you think Tom will be back? Do you have any you, flashbacks? Are, are you asking, do I want him back? Or are you oh, asking, no, I do that. I want <laughs> Actually, I, I don't know. I mean, like after killing Liz, like it's I, I have a lot of well, if this, then this sort of if scenarios. Liz is dead. If um, Liz if, is dead. if Liz, <sighs> I think I think if Liz were dead and Tom were alive. I don't think Agnes would be with Cooper. Um, no, she would be with a parent. Exactly. And so now if Liz is alive and Tom is alive, if there's a situation in which they are in the background trying to find the answer to a question that would solve everything and keep Agnes out of danger. That I could see. I could see them being away from their daughter in order to save her. It's, uh, I mean, it, I gotta say this episode was phenomenal between uh, Pan, the, the scenes with Panna Baker, the horror of her. And it was interesting how she was always like trying to stay on this side of the line. And she had been talking to Cooper. Like she talked to Cooper in a 20 about that. Like, where is the line? Where do you put that line that you're willing not to cross? And 
it's interesting because for those people, there's a lot of people, especially Reddit, saying the writers have no idea what they're saying. They planted that seed of crossing the lines in eight, in season eight, early in season eight of the lines that we don't cross at one point. And now we come back to that and Cynthia has crossed a line. And there's that was such beautiful things when you, when somebody, when there's, they hurt somebody you love and you find a question, no answers in the light, you look for them in the dark. And then there is this, and then maybe when you're being hurt, the lines are no longer there. You just look around you and there are no lines. I thought it was just phenomenal because they had that going all the way back to that point and how Cynthia has gone further into the gray. And this time when he was personal to her, he perf she perfectly understood. And she was the one who said, they just call um, Brimley and maybe we shouldn't be doing the interrogating here. And then at the end, to find out that everything that she had fought for and that line that she had crossed, and she had crossed that line to protect her son and her daughter-in-law and her grandkid to find out that the evil person was a mother, the, the mother, the, the daughter-in-law. That was terrifying for her. Yeah, you know, it was only, it's... there was a bright line. And I wonder how much that applies to Red if at some point, you know, that he said um, that her father took her. And I wonder if that well, was not. It also goes back to like, what's better for a child to lose a parent and keep them in high esteem if the mother had died or to fight to get the mom back and find out that she's really a horrible person that's been destroying the child this whole time. The child's still losing the mom, but now she also has lost that image of her mother as well. She can't even, and, and you could say like the truth is more important and that I think in the long term, that's probably accurate, but I, I don't like. I mean, some of these children were seriously ill. I mean, there was yeah. even question whether they would survive. Um. I mean, it is, it is, um, it's just a thought provoking thing when we go back to the mythology and we think, did Red, Red said that this father took her from her mother and we always think, oh, that's when he took it from her, you know, in 1990. But what if that was not then? What if it was when she was a baby because of something that he saw or observed with the mother? That was that she was going to be hurt. Because even Red said your mother was such a bad mother. And we know that can't be really the Katerina that we have seen because that woman was not, I mean, she was a good mother. She was trying to protect her child. So there's, I mean, there's a whole lot of things that I think are just fascinating about this episode. So that's all I have. Me too. Um, so just a heads up, everybody. The next, we will not have an episode next week. Um, and the following week, which is going to be 
I don't know, is there an episode that weekend or that week? Because that's going to be Easter weekend. There may I, not be an episode that week. I think we were going straight through or is it not going to be an episode next week? I don't know. Um, next week's should be normal. I believe there's an episode next week, but I'm just thinking a lot of times on holiday weekends, they don't have them. Mm. Um, you're going to be regardless I'm traveling. And so I will not be available. Um, I, I will let you guys know, hopefully at the end of not next weekend, but the next weekend, if you should expect a double episode then, or if we'll just do a triple episode. So apologies for that. That's on me. Um, but I will be traveling for a couple of weeks essentially, and won't be able to watch and record and edit in that time. So it would be two weeks until we see you again, guys. Yep. Until then, be safe, enjoy, think about all of the interesting possibilities that Tessa and I have thrown out into the chaos. And uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. You can talk to us on Tumblr, on Facebook, Twitter, and Tessa's over on Reddit. Until next time. Until next time. Bye-bye.